Hey, songsters, it's Deidre Struck, your song goddess, song leader, song friend, camp song director here, still at summer camp in Pennsylvania for a couple of more weeks. Um, I'm excited to report that in the next few weeks, I'll be having some new interviews with some staff here who are songwriters from this camp in Pennsylvania, which is exciting. But until then, um, please enjoy this revisit to Donnie McCaslin. Donnie is a tenor player whose sound is like no other sound I've heard. He's also an incredible composer, and he was instrumental in the Black Star album, which was David Bowie's last album before he died. And we talk about that and many other things. So please enjoy this interview with Donnie McCaslin, and I will see you next Monday. Hello and welcome to The Song Inside, where we go inside people's stories to discover their songs. I'm your host, Dietri Rodman-Struck, piano goddess and song goddess, and I'll be walking people through this journey to find the songs hidden within themselves. Welcome. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the song inside on a lovely October day. Wait, it's not October yet, is it? Hi, Donnie. Hey, we're getting close. We're getting close to October. By the time people hear this, it will be October. Oh, anyway, so we're talking to Donnie McCaslin. Hi, Donnie. Hi, Deirdre. Where are you right now? Which city or part of the world are you in? I'm in Brooklyn Brooklyn where I live, uh, Crown Heights. And um, how long yeah. have you lived in Crown Heights? A long time, about 17 years. Okay, yeah. so yeah, see, I've lived in Kensington for 12, so we got in okay. before all the people knew that it was cool, right? Nice, very nice. nice. I'm really yeah, happy. Able... Go ahead, oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say that you know, our neighborhood has changed a lot in the time that we've been here. There's just a lot more restaurants and, and bars and yeah. and whatnot, a lot more families. Yeah. yeah, same here. In fact, I I call my neighborhood Sesame Street sometimes because it has on Fort Hamilton, <clears throat> the parkway, there's like the little street with the shop. So you feel like you're in kind of a small town and everyone knows each other. But yeah. like the last two years, it's been mostly families with small babies and now my kids are a little bit older, so they're perfect babysitting age. So they've been begging me lately, text this neighbor, text that neighbor. I was like, okay. <laughs> Let's just maybe also get a vaccine for the younger kids first. I don't know. That's a good idea. That's a really good idea. Well, it's yeah. really good to talk to you. Um, it's been so long since we've talked. And I can't wait to hear all about what you've been up to for the last however long it's been. And I'll just tell the listeners that Donnie was one of the, I was lucky enough to move to New York and meet amazing people like pretty much right away. I don't even know how that happened. I think I was just going out to see music all the time. And I had that gig with the circus. So I had like a little bit of money (laughs) and Cornelia street cafe always had amazing music and the knitting factory had amazing music. We had detour, we had Dharma, we had all these different, clubs it was i don't know i in my mind it's this kind of idyllic time you know late Mm. 90s early 2000s and i remember just asking you to play some of my music with me and a i loved your vibe b i loved your playing and then when i heard your writing i felt like i'd found a kindred spirit and i still feel that way 
whenever I hear your writing. I like immediately know that it's your writing and that it's you. And this is why like a year or so ago, something popped up on my Spotify shuffle and it was What About the Body, which is the song I'm going to play later because I love it. But I was like, I know this. I know, I know this somehow. And I was like, yep, it's Donnie. So from the time that you moved to New York to now, can you kind of give us an overview of, that's a lot to ask, how your Mm. writing has changed, what you're doing now? Well, thank you. And right back at you. I love your writing. (laughs) And it's always so, you know, distinctive and personal and always has a vibe, you know, and I think that's something that I always strive for myself. What I'm writing is to try to find something that feels honest and not trying to be something that I'm not, be somebody who I'm not, but just give myself over to what feels like the truth mm. of the moment of the song, you know, and I guess in terms of an overview of, of how things have changed for me, you know, when I, when I moved to New York, it was a long time ago, it was like 1991, and I was still playing in Gary Burton's band, and um, I think I just learned, uh, you know, in terms of writing, it was just sort of trial and error. And, and, um, I've always sort of written, well, what am I trying to say here? I, I guess I, I've, I've just tried to, I've been inspired by different things along the way. So I've had periods where I was really into folkloric music of the Americas, for example, and I was you know, studying, um, like, um, Afro Peruvian music, Afro Cuban music, you know, Afro, uh, Panamanian music, Afro Peruvian music, um, which I might've already said, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> That's okay. I, you know, I was, I was, I was really kind of working on that in the, in that zone for a while and then wrote, you know, a fair amount of music that was really kind of inspired by that, but, but also really also just sort of a hybrid of, you know, my own, where I was already coming from. Um, like the musical DNA that I grew up with um, in Santa Cruz, California was pretty broad where um, I was playing with my father's band. Um, oh, wow. And, and when I was a kid, but his, his, they played like great American songbook standards, but also Latin jazz and also like funk tunes and feel good tunes. Um, so, you know, that was happening. And then I was in a great high school jazz band program that played mostly the music of Duke Ellington. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I was getting a lot of experience doing that. And, um, you know, I was playing in a reggae band when I was a teenager and in a salsa band, with you know, six or seven horns. Um, that's amazing. You had so much exposure to different styles when you were sort of quote unquote coming of age. No, that's true. And, And all that kind of coexisted for me in this, uh, you know, in, in the environment that I grew up in. And then I think as I, as I, you know, moved to New York, um, I've, I've always had this, just that, I guess, wide variety of interests and have just kind of always followed where my instinct took me. So, um, what I think I was trying to describe earlier was that when I got to New York, I was in a certain phase of what, you know, whatever I was checking out and that has continued to evolve over the years. And I've gone through these different periods where, where, you know, folkloric music became very dominant then like electronica music you know at a certain point became very dominant and and then you know more like um songwriting rock you know has become more dominant um so so it's just been it's just been this journey and and i think i've just tried to follow my instinct and and try to follow what feels exciting to me to listen to and and it's hard sometimes to find you know 
stuff, you know, there'll be periods where I'm not sure kind of where I'm going or what I'm doing. And I'm just kind of looking for things to, to listen to that'll feed my sense of creative imagination, you know, and I've, you know, when I, and then when I find something like that, like I'll really latch onto it and just listen over and over. Like, for example, right now I'm listening a lot to Halsey's new record, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, produced by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, Nine Inch Nails, you know, so, so I, I love Nine Inch Nails, you know, and, and um, I think they did a tremendous job on that record. So I've been listening to that a lot. And it's, you know, I guess sometimes I can't even describe why something touches me. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. but I just try to follow that. And, and um, you know, there's a tension sometimes because I feel like, well, I should be checking out more acoustic music or something that's more, you know, from this or that. But, but that was going to be uh, my next question, just that do you struggle sometimes with the voice that's telling you like, I should be doing X, Y, Z. I should be listening to this. Oh, there's this trend or my friends are all listening to this. I should be doing this or that. Are you pretty, have you learned to pretty much stick with your instincts at this point? I mean, it's uh, there's, like my wife was telling me the other day, you should never say should. <laughs> it's like, you're right. Um, uh, uh, uh but I think I think it's been a struggle sometimes because because you, you know we're talking about a long period of time that I've been in mm-hmm. New York, right? So I've developed and I continue to try to keep developing as a person. But of course, you know those periods where I'm like, oh man, you know that sense of like I want to do I want to be doing what the cool kids are doing, you know, mm-hmm. and then uh, maybe feeling like okay, uh, but I'm you know maybe this doesn't maybe this isn't totally my thing, and maybe I'm not a cool kid, and I feel bad about <laughs> myself. Or, you know, there's that whole. That's that whole thing to navigate, you know, so I wouldn't say that it would be sort of black and white for me to say like, oh yeah, I've just stuck to my guns and done whatever I wanted without any emotional, you know, journey with that or emotional trying, you know, that wouldn't be true. But I have, you know, I have kind of stuck, I have, you know, always, I always keep coming back to like, well, what is it, you know, what feels interesting and authentic to me and just trying to try to follow that. And sometimes it's easy and sometimes it's hard. Right. (laughs) That's one of the reasons why I've always admired your music is because I feel like I can hear that in your music. It has never sounded to me like you were, you know, trying to be anybody other than who you are. And I feel like it's a lot of it, I think depends on how we grow up and how supported we are in in our music as we're going through all that. And then part of it, I think is just working on ourselves. Like it's taken me a while to go from, you know, well, it was hard in the beginning. It's like, I'm just doing this jazz thing. It's like, I have to do this jazz thing and I'm not going to sing. And it's like, well, I kind of want to sing, but you know, well, I don't know. Then I can't do jazz. So (laughs) it just, all these labels I would put on myself. And I love kind of getting older because those tend to fall away because I just don't care as much what people think anymore. And I'm not sure that I ever really did, but it did take me a while sometimes to find, like to unearth the real music inside of there, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's really well said. Oh, thanks. (laughs) Um, For example, when you were talking about you went from, you know, you moved to New York and then suddenly you're thinking about, well, I want to do more songwriter stuff or I want it. What I've noticed on some of your later stuff is that it does have vocals. So can you talk a little bit about when and how you started adding vocals? 
to your yeah, band. I mean, it, it, yeah, a lot of that, you know, comes from, you know, having that experience of, of, of working with David Bowie, you know, and, and um, that was such a, a deeply affirming and sort of, you know, transformative experience. And, and, um, and what I mean by affirming is that, you know, I, I'd always um, kind of just what we talk about, you know, following my instinct or whatever. And then, you know, he's somebody who really embodied that, like not being afraid to, to keep evolving and keep changing. Um, I mean, he's an incredible example of that actually. And um, that he was just so committed to his musical vision and, and to it being sort of wide ranging and, 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 um, and not compromising, you know? So I think, I mean, I could speak, you know, about that record, but, but I, in a nutshell, having gone through that experience and seeing how rewarding it was artistically, I thought like, man, you know, um, that's kind of a, that in a way that's a blueprint and that's an inspiration to how you can mm. combine these elements. And then after that record came out, I started touring a lot more as a band leader mm-hmm. because there was more opportunities because of the back of record. Course. And, was. and so I had a lot of time on the bandstand playing music you know, and at that point, I I just put out a record that was, you know, inspired by stuff I was listening to at the time, which is like Kendrick Lamar and Dead Mouse, you know, and and Bowie, and so you know these different things and all instrumental music, and and I was, you know, preparing for another record, and you know, so it was maybe a year or a year and a half after Black Star had come out, and and it and I had a little, it was just such a intense period when all that happened, and it was, it was just so much going on. And, and of course with him passing away and just navigating all of that. And, um, I, I felt like after, you know, some time had passed, it gave me a chance to really reflect on a, a deeper level, maybe some on, on the experience. And, and so I started getting music together for this record called blow. And, um, I was working with Steve wall, great producer. And, um, my manager, Stephen Supporta, had connected us. And, and um, so, you know, I was, I knew that there was going to be a vocal element because I was hearing it. Because after being right. on stage so much and playing all this instrumental music, I was like, ah, oh, I can't get hear the vocal thing. But it wasn't really clear to me how that would sort of work out and how it would integrate. Um, because in a sense, my whole career prior to that, the saxophone had been in that role of playing the lead melody and improvising a lot. So as you know, I was, I started to collaborate with different songwriters and, and had a different process with different people, but songs were starting to materialize. And, and um, I started to feel like clarity about the vocal role being at the center in a way of the record. And, and, and in a lot of ways, it was just gaining more and more prominence mm-hmm. as the songs were developing. And I thought, okay, this is okay. I'm just going to ride this. And I guess it would, the analogy is like, I'm trying to find something, but I don't have a GPS, you know, and I can't quite make <laughs> you know, the map. I can't quite make out what's happening on the map. So I'm going to keep going and just trust that it's going to work out. The image and, that I had was of Luke with the helmet on and the lightsaber where he can't see. It's like <laughs> using the force. Yeah, and, and then you know David was had all. I remember him saying, um, you know that it's it, it's good when you're uncomfortable because mm-hmm. it means you're you're onto something, you know. And and so I just kept at it, and and as the as the record 
as we got as we got record ready to record, I thought, wow, I'm not even sure what my role is going to be on this thing in terms of playing, you know, saxophone. But that's okay, and I'm just going to let see what happens in the studio and as woodwind things kind of together for it. And then it all just played out the way it did, and and with everybody's, you know, everybody playing wonderfully, and it, it all worked out. And it's so it's this, you know, it's this sort of hybrid where where the lyrics and singing are in the forefront, but also obviously the saxophone has a pretty big role. And there's, it's not like as a a formula per se, but it just kind of, kind of, we're just going by instinct. Right. I love that we keep coming back to that is that your sort of open openness, I was going to say open heart heartedness, but that's felt too new age to me, but but yeah, really just being open and saying, I think I have these elements. I'm not sure how they're going to coalesce, but trusting the process, trusting the people that you collaborate with to do what they do. And then just kind of letting it take care of it in a way, which is exactly what I heard when I heard that song. And then I listened to the whole record like many times in a row. And it, it just spoke to me so much because it was so you and I, granted we haven't talked in a long time, but I just felt this sense of here's someone who's completely confident in who they are. And mm-hmm. the fact that you were, that you were able to be among such a big presence as David Bowie, such a, an influential person and a, a creative and a visionary and an icon and that you were able to both be confident enough to step up to the plate with that and, and learn and also humble enough to say, here's someone who I can really learn from and then take that into your own music, I think speaks volumes. It, and for me, it feels very brave to do that, to come off of that and just say, you know what, like I could do a lot of things right now, but this is what, you know, I feel like doing and I'm going to follow that to the end. Mm. No, thanks. That means a lot to me. Thank you very much. Thanks. I would love um, to listen to actually, just because I, I, it was the first song that made me sort of rediscover the latest incarnation of Donnie. Could we listen to What About the Body? Absolutely. Awesome.
Yes! (laughs) How can you not just be in the best mood after hearing that? I hope people listen to that on headphones, too. It's like, oh, so good. Mm. Mm. So good. So it just, um, I love the bed, the groove, the bed of the groove underneath. Yeah, you know, it's... um, that's Tim Lefebvre on bass. And, and really the song started with that, that bass, the bass line mm-hmm. which he sent, you know, in the songwriting process that I was talking about. Um, yeah. You know, he sent that. I was like, Oh man, that's a great, um, that's such a great vibe that. Mm-hmm. And um, Ryan Dahl is a singer songwriter producer mixer in in canada he's in vancouver mm. and i was connected with him and, and and um i sent that to him and ryan is the one who wrote the lyrics and the vocal melody you know so so those two things came i guess well actually i guess i'm forgetting the you know the sequence of events but that the um the interlude section mm. i added um so I added some stuff. I, yeah, I wrote some of that stuff too. Yeah, I, I, was, I can hear some of that, Donnie, there. in there. Yeah, that's, <laughs> so the three of us and then the horn. So anyway, um, it, it came together um, pretty near the end of the process, actually. We are just, oh. just about to record and have all this other material, but this one came together and I was like, ah, this is such a great song. And Ryan's lyrics are tremendous and he's just such a talent. So it all just kind of came together pretty, pretty quickly. We did it in the studio and that's Zach Danziger on drums. That's so good. Um, yeah, and Zach and Tim have this like a vibe. You know, it's, it's like a simpatico kind of thing. Yeah, like a two-headed man. being. <laughs> totally. So, and then again, Steve Wall, you know, he did such a masterful job producing that. You know, just the like the sonic universe that's created there. There's like you know ten different synths or something. Right. Jason Linder, but we were recording here in Brooklyn at Figure Eight. Mm-hmm. Prospect Heights, and they have two studios, and and the upper room is where we were, but in the lower room they have all these vintage synths. So at a certain point, you know, the guys went downstairs, and right. I think they were going from from synth to synth layering stuff. So yeah, it's exciting to hear that. You know, I hadn't heard that in a long time. The recorded version, it sounds great. Right. And who else was on the album, or was it just did you name? People? Well, so it was it was um, I basically tried to use everybody that I've been touring with. So. There, there was you know, like the Black Star guys, my, my group that did that. So it was Jason Lindner, Mark Giuliano on drums, and Tim, um, and Jeff Taylor uh, sang with us. And and um, on on Tiny Kingdom, that's mm-hmm. Jeff Taylor. On Tempest, that's mm-hmm. also Jeff. Uh, then um, at a certain point, uh, Jonathan Marin took over on okay. bass. And um, oh wait, I'm sorry. Zach, well, Zach, Zach took over on drums from Mark. So there was Zach and Tim on this one, which you just talked about. Then Jonathan took over for Tim, and there was Jonathan and Zach. And then Nate Wood came in and played bass on some stuff, <laughs> drums on other things. It makes me think of a re- like a baton relay race where it's like the groove <laughs> is still happening and everyone's running around the track and just like handing off the baton. Because yeah, this, And it's, I think it speaks to the producer that that whole album has – of vibe like even if it's different people it's 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 a mood you know right when, and, yeah so and then gail on dorsey sings on the record and and um and uh um i mentioned jeff taylor ryan doll and yeah. then mark cost some kill moon also so 
When yeah. you're working with different producers, is there I've always been curious about working with different producers. Do you have any tips about people who have a certain sound in their head and they're working with a producer? Obviously you hire you want to work with a person because you've heard what they do and you like their right. aesthetic. But do you have any tips for people who are maybe working with a producer they've admired for a long time and how to be an integral part of the process while also trusting them? It's kind of a long question. Yeah. Um, well, I guess the first two things that come to mind are communication, you know, is, is a big part of it. And, and um, I guess what, you know, what can be tricky is when do you weigh in, you know, um, and then, you know, as you're, as it's kind of to what you're talking about, you know, the trust, like, you know, you want to let them do the thing, but then when's the point where you, you say, okay, well, I'm not feeling this and can we adjust this? And, yeah. you know, I, I'm not person, I'm not somebody who wants to micromanage, you know? Um, but I think sometimes I have seen myself in retrospect, feel like I've gotten a little too involved, um, and so I'm still trying to find like, what's the, what's the right balance, you mm -hmm. know, but um, for the most part, I just go with how I'm feeling. I, I mean, like, okay, okay, the sax is like too loud here or, yeah. or can it be, can you treat the sax in a different way? And, and I guess I try to stay open to hearing things, you know, if, if something comes back that it's not what I anticipated um, and I'm not sure how I feel about it, I try to sit with it. Mm -hmm a little bit before saying, okay, I'm not cool with that. Can you change it? Yeah. That's a really so good advice. Sometimes the natural tendency is to react immediately mm -hmm. on something I'm not sure about. And, and I, I try to um, give it a little time and listen repeatedly, or I mean, to listen over, over time. If I have it, see if, if my impression changes. That's a really good advice. I think, for a lot of us, it's so easy to react immediately on impulse or, or emotion or whatever it is. And a, a friend of mine told me some good advice, which was just when, when I'm feeling that way, I just sit on my hands, <laughs> which is just basically take a breath. And as you said, if you have time, I think the first thing that makes it successful is you, you choose your team, you choose a team that you trust and then it's easier to sit with something if you're like, hmm, this doesn't, this isn't, something's off here, but like, I really trust my team. So I'm going to listen to this and let, and just sit on it and let it rest. Cause maybe I'm hearing things one way today and I'll hear them a different way tomorrow. But yeah. if you have surrounded yourself with people you trust, then you know that it's worth listening to. And maybe they also had a bad day or maybe their idea is a genius idea or maybe you just really wanted to hear what you wanted in the first place and it's not their idea. And sometimes it takes a minute to figure that out. Exactly. A minute to figure that out. So if you can give yourself the time, I mean, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard because sometimes these things need to happen right away. You need to make a decision right, right. away. Um, and I don't know about you, but I feel like especially just having been a musician in New York for so long, I often feel a sense of urgency when, when there really is no sense of urgency, but you know, before cell phones, it was like, you know, I got to call, I'm not going to get the gig. I got to call him back right now. Like the right. big opportunity is going to pass me by <laughs> or, 
you know, I, I need to work on this thing right now when there's a deadline. And sometimes there actually are deadlines, but often the deadlines can be self-imposed and it's like just hard to sit with the discomfort. Yeah, that's right. I was talking about it with Maria Schneider and I remember her saying when something doesn't feel right to her, it's like, um, she has a physical reaction almost, you know, it's just like, she really feels it and she, it sets her. Oh, and so this is slightly different from what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Cause in this case, it's some, it's not, it's not a gray area of like, well, right. maybe I should, like, you know, this, so this is more like when you don't like something. Yeah. <laughs> and, and she's like, she's essentially saying she can't rest until it's, mm. it's, it's the way she wants it. She can't let it, she can't live with it because mm. it, it just she'll have this physical reaction to yeah. it. Um, Anyway, I, I and I can appreciate that. I felt that way sometimes. Yeah, oh, for sure. It's funny uh, because one of my one of my kids is like that too. Hmm. And so we call it by different names. Like sometimes I'll say, "Well, this is this discomfort is you know just anxiety." And sometimes it there's nothing you can do about it. Like in the moment, you just have to like really let it exist with you, and it's so uncomfortable. But also. Sometimes she'll say, like, I really need to finish this one thing. And I totally get that. If I'm right in the middle of a process, like, I'll stay up all night just because I, I need, I'm on a groove and I, there's a thing that needs to be fixed. And when it's yeah. fixed and, like, saved or whatever, yeah. just everything feels better. Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned um, Gail Ann Dorsey. And I know that mm-hmm. I had asked you to bring a song that brought you from a dark place to a lighter place, which you can interpret however you want, but you brought head of mind. So can you talk a little bit about why you picked this song? Yeah, I just, um, for, I think for, well, I'll, I'll say for myself, you know, I tend to, you know, things, there's a lot of stuff going on up here and I don't always articulate it, you know, and, he's pointing and, to his head. <laughs> there's there's things going on out there and there's you know i don't always articulate it so um i i think you know uh for so many of us you know we suffer you know from this thing you know things happen to us in our lives and 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 you're trying to process that i mean sometimes those things have you know can set you on a, on a course of, well, the, sorry, I'm trying to ar- articulate this there. Sometimes when you have trauma, you know, you, you adjust you, how you deal with the world based on that trauma. And sometimes that helps you to survive the moment or survive that place in time, you know? Um, but then it doesn't serve you well as you get older. And, you know, I'm speaking about my own situation, you know, so then, and then you're trying to re, you know, readjust, and 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 um, uh, readjust how you process things so that you can not be triggered, you know, by things that don't that don't need to trigger you or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and um, so that's something that I've dealt with in my life. And, and so head of mind, you know, to me, it's that thing of like we can get into a dark place in our mind, you know, um, uh, and and how do you find your way out of it, you know, and 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 um, you know, for me, it's still, it's still a work in progress sometimes, you know, how do I, how do I let go of this anger or let go of this pain? And, and, you know, is it a physical manifestation as an artistic 
manifestation. Like, how do I process this? You mm-hmm. know. So, I, I'm sort of speaking in the global here, but for me, I picked head of mind because because it's that dynamic of there's a lot going on up here in my head, and 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 I want to get through it. I want to find a way through it um, so that I can be fully present in the moment right. and not just be constantly in my head in a way that pulls me out of being with my family or being with my friends or being in the moment in, in society, if that makes sense. That's beautifully said. I think it's going to resonate with a lot of people too, just because on one level or another, we've all gone through a version of trauma. Some people it's been manifested in, in more physical ways and other people more emotional ways. Um, and, you know, you do what you need to do to get through those times. But as you said, those tactics, you know, our, our, our brains are, are so incredible. They're such incredible machines that they will help us survive and do certain things. But those tactics are not always useful after, you know, in the aftermath. And sometimes it's hard to recognize when something's being useful and when it's sort of had its time and it's time to move to a different place. Do you feel, um, and you don't have to, do you feel comfortable at all discussing the trauma in a more personal way or is that digging too deep? No, no, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm happy, you know, I was happy to talk about it. Maybe it's the wrong word. Yeah. (laughs) I I only ask because I, I know that for a, a lot of people, they'll see the success of someone and, and, you know, they assume that everything is always sunshine and rainbows and puppies and bunnies and, no, and, no, I know, you know. I know that's, true, that's true, and I, and I think I've been, you know, I felt that sometimes. Like, I, you know, you, when you're younger, you know, like, oh man, look at that person. They're like, they've got all the, you know, they're the best, and they're so great, and everything is easy for them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, for me, you know, unfortunately, I was a victim of like childhood abuse, you know, sexual abuse, and physical abuse, and I guess you would say emotional abuse as well too. You know, so and that all happened, you know, when I was young. You know, I was like seven probably from age let's say seven to uh 10 or 11 or something so you know obviously devastating because that's such um such a formative age um and so i think what's um what's always been you know something for me is how to how to how to um well, I guess what I'm trying to say is that it rob that kind of thing robs you of the foundation. Mm-hmm. That's what I'm trying to say. You know, the foundation of of um, well being and you know, I feel good with this and that, you know. Yeah. So it's it's and, and so it's really tough as you get older. Well, it's the whole thing is tough, but just um, that sense of security, that sense of intimacy with, you know, friends or loved ones or, you know, all of that stuff, it gets it's more fraught. And, and so it's the manifestations of that that I have, you know, been working, I still work on, you know, yeah. um, in terms of how to be more fully in my humanity. So, you know, I think all of us that are artists, you know, we go through, well, it's just, you know, expression of your thing. And, and so for me, I've always said people, not always, but people say, oh, Donnie, man, you're so nice and you're so you know, you're so, um, you're such a nice mellow person. And I think, and I appreciate that. And I think I am into a certain extent, but that's not, that's not reflecting. That's not, that's not the whole picture of like, actually I'm angry. 
angry in a lot of ways. And I have all this intensity that comes out in my music, I know, and it comes out in other ways too. But you just have to, people have to spend more time with me and then they'll see it. You know, that's one yeah. of those things. So anyway, that's, um, so that's the story. Yeah. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that. But I also yeah. really appreciate your vulnerability in the moment with me and being honest. I was not the, the same victim, but I, my brother was in my home, not sexual, but physical abuse. So I was around it in a different way. Um, and I appreciate as adults talking about these kinds of things because it, it is a lot of work. It's like a lot of self, like for me, you know, I take antidepressants, I go to therapy, I have a really great support team. Um, it comes out through my music. People have different ways of, of working on this stuff, but I appreciate being honest with people about the fact that it's a lot and people see one thing on the surface because they've always told me to, Oh, you're so optimistic and you've got this perfect family life. And I'm so like hashtag blessed. I'm so lucky and, and blessed in my life. I have a great family and all this other stuff, but below, I think I was never okay with my own rage. It was Mm -hmm. sort of like bubbling and simmering under the surface. And I was like, no, that, that, that's not okay for me. That's not okay. And I would even in playing music sometimes hold back a lot. Just I was Mm -hmm. nervous. And that's why improvisation was so good for me because I didn't know where to put all of those those feelings. And I think, you know, being angry, like justifiably angry about something that happened to you that, you know, as you said, took the ground from underneath you. And I think that's a really apt image because – it is like you're, you, the foundation was there and then suddenly it's almost like it's disappearing and you're kind of scrambling. You know, mm-hmm. there's reasons to be really angry about that. And if people don't talk about it, um, then they might feel like those feelings are quote unquote wrong. Right, right. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sorry that you went through that Ugh. experience. I'm sorry you went through it. I didn't want to make this about me because we're focusing – on you. It's not something I I generally bring up either, but I just think this is why, and I don't know if you feel this way, but sometimes I feel like as a composer, one thing I want to do is help people get in touch with these kinds of feelings that they can't even articulate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's listen to head of mine after that right. deep after that deep conversation here we go uh, here's that of uh, my darkness to light people darkness to light <laughs>
question just in silence Stepping out for the evening Going out for a ride Around, 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 around All around this small town I know my way Gail's the one who, you know, the lyrics on that were <clears throat> um, written by mostly by Aaron Kanata, and we had it in that. Well, what am I trying to say? <laughs> that last section, Gail Gail wrote the lyrics, and um, and it sort of took the song to another level. Yeah. And um, you know, that's to me where it kind of you know it comes into the light. Yeah. So to speak, we're you know, taking moving from silence into sound. God, that line know. is what really, it really got me. <laughs> I, mean, I, was feeling, I was tearing up too. I, I was as well because yeah. it, you know, just you know, after what we're talking about, and then and then hearing that, and and um, yeah, she just uh, totally the, the lyric is, is so beautiful to me right there. Me and, too. and of course, she delivers it. And again, that's another Steve Wall. Production. This one, you know, this one is like really produced. You know, all the yeah. trap stuff. You know, that's all Steve. But it's amazing you know. though that with so much production, it can sound so intimate. And right, it. I really, I got a very strong image in the song of you know of her singing and and just the sun either rising or setting. And you know, she's talking about the the small town and just coming right. out in the evening and. It just, I felt very healed in that in that moment, yeah. um, which I I wasn't expecting. I've listened to the song before and I haven't had quite this reaction. But I think just given what we were talking about yeah. and how music is so powerful, yeah. Um, thank you so much for sharing that song. Oh no, thank you, thank you for asking. Pleasure. Um, Pleasure. Oh man. Um, yeah, I'm going to, I have this uh, playlist and it's just called Breathe and it's it's songs that, that make me feel a certain way for when I have time to like go on a walk or, so this is immediately going on that, that playlist after I talk to you. Oh. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you two things before we end. One is, I can't wait to see you play live. And is there a place to see that coming up? And also, what are you working on? What's your current, what are your current projects? 
Okay. Um, gosh, live. Um, well, you know, there's uh, um, uh, the 55 bar, which is a, you know, iconic New York venue is um, in danger of, you know, not surviving. That's and horrible. That's, uh, you know, I feel like a, you and I played there yeah. together once many I years ago. <laughs> oh, that's Definitely. awful news. Let's save it. How do so, we do that? So, well, there's a, um, there's a GoFundMe campaign. You know, if you go to the 55 Bar website, which I think is the 50, is 55bar.com, and then they're also doing a series of concerts um, starting um, Thursday night, going for about a week and a half, where all the proceeds are going to go to to the back rent, you know, to try to save it as a venue. So I'm going to play there um, twice. On, on September 30th, I'm going to play an early set uh, with Jonathan Blake. He's an incredible drummer. We're going to play duo. Oh, nice. Uh, something like 7, you know, 6.37 p.m., play for about an hour, hour and a half. Um, and then on the next night, on the October 1st, um, Antonio Sanchez, Scott Colley, Miguel Zenon, and myself are going to do the later set. Um, I'm going to have to get there really early for that. <laughs> get in line. That's going to be fun. Um, and it's a good cause. You know, yeah. What time is that one? Yeah, well, I think we probably play, um, let's see, 9.30. Probably okay. play at night. And um, that's a, just an iconic venue. And, and, and especially for a certain segment of the, of the music population, you know, because it's a lot of electric music there and a lot of sort of hybrid type music there. And then in terms of what I'm currently involved in, like I've been recording music and I have like three different, three different things. Um, one is like instrumental music, you know, which is, um, yeah, it's instrumental music with Jason and Tim and Mark and myself. Um, and then another thing is with Ryan Dahl, the guy from what about the yeah. body? about like um, an album's worth of, of music, you know, I mean, maybe half of it still needs to be mixed, I would say, but, but, you know, that's well on, it's, you know, that's, that's nearing completion, let's say. Yes. And then some more music with Aaron Kanata, who, um, who, uh, you know, we were just speaking about with the, the song with Gail, um, we co-wrote uh, a song uh, that's going to come out at the end of October featuring Ani DeFranco. Um, awesome. um, singing, and then we have some more songs in the works. So those, are like, I have this three pronged thing. Yes. Happening. So you know they're they're in different stages of 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 um, mixing and producing, but but getting there, making progress. And so once I get these all, you know, set, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna you know, well, I should start writing. I was gonna say I'm gonna start writing new music, but I should start writing anyway. But that's you know that's my intention. Yeah. I'm should have, could have, would have. You will. <laughs> yeah. It'll come. <laughs> That's so exciting. And I, and I love hearing about, again, like we maybe started today, just that a, a musician or a person doesn't have to be one thing. There's many sides to us and they can all come out when they want to come out and in different ways and with different people. And it's still yeah. coming from us, from that source. So I cannot wait. When is the first project um, that's nearing completion going to be coming out? Well, if you have a sense. Well, yeah, well, it's going to be next year, but I don't. Have, I'm not on a record label right now, right. so that's you know, there's some you know that's unclear about the timing. But but um, this the song 
the next song is going to come out like the end of October, roughly. Okay. And then there'll be a couple of songs, a couple of the instrumental songs will come out early next year. Yes. But in terms of like, you know, full length record or something, it'll be next year. I'm okay. Well, this is sure good because it. like, we're going to get tastes. We're going to get little samples from the platter to keep us going. And then also for people who haven't heard your back yeah. catalog, there's plenty of stuff to dive into there. Also, all the places to find Donnie McCaslin. Now, I feel like either I'm going to be remiss or I'm going to be annoying if I ask you about Black Star, but I cannot not ask you about it because I'm curious about it as a person. And I feel like every interview you've done probably asks about that. So I feel a little bit cliche, but whatever. I'm going to ask you about it anyway. And I would, and I'd like you to tell me anything you would like to about that, making that album with David Bowie, for people that don't know, um, whatever comes to mind. Yeah, well, um, that's a very broad question. It's a broad question. <laughs> what did you eat um, for breakfast? <laughs> it was it was just an amazing experience because he was so um, committed to it being about art and creativity, and um, you know was just. Uh, it couldn't have been it couldn't have been a more creative environment to be in you know i i had tried these different things in preparation in terms of woodwinds and orchestration trying to you know surprise him and he was just so into everything mm. and and was so welcoming of any ideas that we had at any point along the way and um and i thought that that was just wonderful you know to be in this environment where i mean he had already come with these really strong songs mm-hmm. so um it wasn't like the wheel needed any sense of reinvention um however he was just completely open to anything he wanted to do or suggested at any point and so you know you just felt that trust mm-hmm. uh, there and then you know the other thing um that i think we all felt was um you know, the way that we put, we had existed as a band for some years before this, before that experience. And so much of what we do is that like communication and listening and responding to each other in the moment, you know, and, and sometimes when the music, as you well know, for all of us who are in this creative music realm, you know, the unexpected happens and things go in a very different direction. And that's really exciting. And, and, that's you know part of why we do this you know it's you know it's all this stuff happened on the gig and so the thing I noticed right away was um, so the you know the analogy I always think of because I love basketball team we're like a basketball team you know the four of us you know moving the ball back and forth and then um, David you know is suddenly there and we're in the studio and you know I'm looking at him and we start the first song. And it was immediately like a five a five person team. Wow! You know, that his, his energy was really strong, mm-hmm. and he was really saying with a lot of conviction. I know it's obvious, but but it was something to witness. It. You know, he was like re- really in it, really in the music, and and it just jolt. It gave a jolt to all of us, and it just felt like you know it was a conti- This is mm-hmm. a continuation of see that now we've got another member so to speak, who's, who's brought this huge jolt of electricity and also these, this fabulous framework mm, to work with. I just with. got chills when you said that. That's a beautiful analogy. Uh, it was wonderful. And then, um, you know, Ben Monder came in on the la- Like, we did these three different recording periods. And so the first two, it was that, the five of us, mm-hmm. essentially. Um, 
in in this you know in recording at the same time. And then the last one, Ben Monder came in, and 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 it was you know again it was the same thing. There's now six people because and I, I have a, a long history with Ben, and and um, prior to me getting into this electronica stuff, Ben we did so many gigs together um, and did did some touring together. I mean what can you say about him? He's just a genius, you know? So anyway, he's suddenly in the room and adding another jolt of electricity and, and just this thing going around. It was, it was incredible, you know, wow. it's an incredible experience and, and really, um, you know, affirming, as I mentioned earlier and, and, um, you know, inspiring. It was just the embodiment, you know, of, of these virtues that I, I hold dear, you know, like, following a musical vision, not being afraid to take chances, being fearless, being uncomfortable, um, being present in the moment. Um, all of that stuff was, was, was there in abundance. Um, and it was uh, still, you know, it inspires me, you know, to this day, even talking about it now, you know, it's been a while since I talked about it. I, you know, I can feel that sense of like, of, of excitement about it. So it was it's really amazing. Um, I, I can was, feel it too. And I, you know, <clears throat> it was also, <clears throat> yeah, it was, yeah. And he was also just, um, he was, he was, he was, a, he was a great person, you know, like, like very uh, genuine. That's the word I would use in, in my interactions with him. You know, he was just very, um, <clears throat> not pretentious, you know, very, very genuine. And, and um, yeah, it made it even that, you know, it was just, so so sad that he he passed you know because he had just so much you know so much creativity still there yeah i mean but yeah. the most important obviously for his family you know i mean i just i feel you know feel so so bad for them um and and how how, how hard that must be for them you know yeah. um and on the, you know, on the music side or whatever, you know, he was just in this period of, of um, so much creativity happening. Yeah. So really, really sad, you know. It's funny because I, I know it's called Black Star. I'm not sure what the origin of that is. But what, it, what I thought of when you were talking, first of all, when you're talking, it's infectious. I felt like I was in the room with all of you and just this jolt of electricity going around the room in a circle and then it's all joining and just those experiences are what I feel like artists live for. And to right. have this like unicorn, like this magical unicorn, but you know, not, he's not taking the ball and running with it. He's like inserting himself into the energy field that's already there and just lifting everybody's energy field up, which is what I aspire to. And it's not often I get to be in a room or any of us get to be in a room with others where that's so cohesive and the energy is building up and up and up. And it just makes me think of him as a star, just like emitting energy and emitting energy and that yeah. he's still somewhere emitting energy, just in a different, just in a different plane. And that you got to be a part of that stardust for a while is amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I know it is. And, you know, I think one thing that, that, um, you know, right after he passed, you know, we started going on the road and, met a lot of people who would come to the gigs who had been, you know, um, big fans of his and, 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 you know, one of the, and, and, uh, and there was a sense of communion, you know, with those people because everybody was grieving. Yeah. Um, 
but I think one takeaway for me too is just like it just incredible how many people's lives he touched, you know, across genre, you know, just just such such a larger than life figure mm-hmm. in terms of how he touched people with his art is is pretty pretty amazing, you know, and and so there was so much genuine love for him out there, you know, it was it was um, it was something to behold that and to participate in a tiny part of that. Yeah. Something, and yeah. coming back around to the very beginning of our conversation, it's something to aspire to, to live an authentic life in such a way that there's room for empathy and compassion and authenticity and art and fire and rage, but also love and just being completely in the moment and completely who you are. Like mm. that, that's art to me. That's what I want. I'm going to spend my whole life chasing that that star you know yeah that's really well played Andrea. thank you <laughs> well thank you good. so much donnie this has been such a joy for me today i i feel so inspired and so just wanting to to go make art you know like we have our lives ahead of us as far as we know <laughs> things can always change but you know we we're so lucky we have the opportunity to go inspire more people with our music and now hearing these songs and these stories, I'm, I'm ready to like pick up the mantle and, and do that again. So thank you so much. It's such a pleasure to see you and speak to you again. Likewise. And be on the show. So thanks so much for having me. Yes, of course. So everyone listening, you can find Donnie McCaslin anywhere you find music. Go listen to Black Star. Go listen to, go listen to everything. Just set aside some time, put on the headphones. You will not be sorry. And you can find The Song Inside at thesonginside.me. And until next Monday, remember that there is a song inside everyone, including and especially you. <laughs>